your mind. Your mind could not reach your destiny. Your mind couldn't see your destiny. Your mind couldn't be elevated to take on your purpose. You couldn't think past it. That's why unbelief is a damnable thing. And it's the one thing that the enemy tries to go after coming out the gate is getting you not to believe because belief shuts down or shapes your thinking. Your belief system shapes your thinking. How you think is based on what you believe is real or true. That's why God says in Hebrews 11.6 that what? Without faith it's impossible to believe him. And if you come to him in the next verse, you first got to believe that he is. And then that he's a reward. But if, you, if we have people constantly telling us that the reward of Jesus Christ or the reward of God on our lives is to make our lives worse than what it is, is to bring us, oh, come on, come on, look at the campaign. Just look at what we think Jesus Christ is rewarding us with. Well, how could a loving God, well, how could a good God, well, why are these terrible things happening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We actually think that that is the reward. That's what he said. But first you've got to believe that I am and believe who I am. The character and nature of Jesus Christ is what solidifies his covenant. His will can be solidified by the man that he identified that he was. And if you don't believe in that man, you won't be a reward. Oh, come on. The reward won't be with you. You won't get rewarded in the totality of what Christ is. The reward is Christ. The reward is not, you know, feeling good. The reward is not love. The reward is not hope. The reward is not joy. The reward is not peace. It's not any of those things. Your reward isn't even heaven. Your reward is Christ. The hope of glory. Your reward is Jesus Christ. Y'all better share tonight. You already know I'm gone in the place. I'm going to tell you right now, we already gone in the place. But your reward is Jesus Christ. We keep thinking you, your reward is your healing. Your reward is you getting delivered. No, your reward is becoming like your Savior. It's the essence and character of everything Christ did. We've been talking about in chapter 7, final tenacity, bringing us into the same, making everything the same, making you the same so that it's not just a fact, it's a reality for you. See, when you haven't become the same, then you're still doing with a feeling. Oh, come on. Yes. Well, in theory, we should be powerful as Christians. In theory, our words should, should have that kind of authority. In theory, we should be able to destroy and break yokes. In theory, we should be 
literally molding and sculpting your habits. When we start changing our day-to-day habits, it begins to change our mentality about our life. When you get saved, that's why we've been on this journey, we've been talking over and over again that the fruits of salvation are important. And the biggest scam that the enemy ever ran on the church is to get us to stop looking for salvation proof, evidence of the power that work in us. Because if you don't look for it, then you're not going to go after it. You're not going to go after it, then you're not going to perform it. And if you're not going to perform it, then guess what? Nothing's going to show up. And if nothing shows up, then guess what? The enemy doesn't have a problem. Woo! We're not showing up. When God talks about the salt of the earth, losing its favor, because he said, there'll be a time when my people just won't show up. And why won't we? Because we're being talked out of in every kind of way every day about what we can and cannot do with this walk. Oh, well, they don't take all that. Oh, we take all of that and then some to take down a prince, to take down the very serpent that destroyed this world. What do you think it takes to come on? We're talking about the rule of darkness. We're talking about something that keeps you from getting out of your sick bed, that took your mother, that took your father, that took your son, that took your daughter, that ruined your life, that had you addicted to everything under the sun. I think it takes all of that and some more. To prove that this thing called Jesus Christ and to prove that this thing called the cross is what it says that it is. And they're punking us by getting us to not look for the evidence and the sign of Christ at work in you. You don't need to speak in tongues. You don't need to pray. You don't need to come to church. You don't need to be the Bible. You don't need to, okay? Because the enemy doesn't want you to show up to the Bible. So when 3 o'clock comes, you ain't going to be there. Uh-huh. Because you ain't got nothing. You don't have anything. And they're pumping us every day and making us believe that there should be no signs that should follow us. Uh-huh. Well, you don't really have to look right. Well, you don't really have to do that. God understands. What God understands is that you're not going to show up. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's what he understands. That when it hits the fan, you're not going to show up. And when you see heroes on the ground, you're not going to show up. Wow. Because he gave the earth into the hands of the sons of men. What does that mean? People of flesh. People of earth. I gave the power and the authority to make things happen on earth to people of earth. Which is why we don't have angels coming here doing everything every five minutes. And the only way God is trying to get things back into this alignment with the box type. I want y'all to know something in this place. Come on. Oh, uh, y'all all right? I got to walk it off. Let me tell you something. When God gets good, you got to walk it off. I'm going to tell you that right now tonight. Y'all better share, 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 share. Get the journal out. Come on, get your coffee. Get you actually go and get the anointing oil. Forget the coffee. Get your money. Get drunken for coffee tonight. Because we're going to be breaking some yokes off of this thing because God wants powerful people in the earth. Dr. Price was raised up to produce a certain type of Christian. And that wasn't a Christian that went out there and just shared the gospel. That was a Christian that went out there and demonstrated the power of God. Paul said that the kingdom is not just in word. We've been spreading word. But this thing is indeed. Oh, come on in here. It's in power. 
Your authority to feed your flesh. 
reason why he had to send his wife, serpents took on the animal. But we never talk about that. Because we didn't talk about how God made Adam. We were too busy seeing Adam as a victim. But not that he was made strong. This was an immortal being. Why do you think he said falling short of the glory? What kind of glory did Adam walk in that we lost? That made us who we are today. That God had to bring down the rest of creation. He had to literally shut the whole of creation. We talk about animals, plants, everything. That's why all the creation is groaning for you to come back up to your place. To bring your back, bring earth back up to its station. The same as in heaven. It's groaning to go back to its design. Come on in the place. John 17, Jesus groaned in his own breath. It's the Father, glorify me back to the place that I was at the beginning. Oh, come on. We are too busy milking the enemy's narrative about our weakness that we never thought about how we were created. Born is the shit. But created for good work. Oh, come on. That's the identity he wants to rob you of. He's not trying to rob you of going to church and reading your Bible. He's trying to rob you of an identity. Y'all hear me on Facebook? You hear me on Facebook? He keeps you out of prayer. He keeps you out of your word because he's not interested in robbing no religion. He's not interested in robbing no church. He's not interested in robbing no preacher. Not even no destiny, but your identity. You waking up and realizing who you really are. Mm-hmm. How you were created to live in this world. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. God had to give a judgment of death to take the power out of humanity. Oh, God. Come on. To take the power out of humanity. To get humanity to become what we are today. We and feeble and all of those things. He had to come on here death. Death is the power he had to use to take Lucifer for death. Because God doesn't make any jump. Oh, come on. Everything he come on. Death is how Jesus had to be taken death. Y'all ain't hearing me. Before death was put on him in that garden. The enemy, the where death entered, is where God conquered it. Y'all better come on here. The place where he conquered. Come on, where death took humanity down is where Jesus stopped on the serpent's head. Oh, come on, and said, I will destroy you forever. He destroyed it forever. The place of our demise became the place of our victory because we had a Savior who was faithful to his identity. Yeah, come on. If you're really the son of God, then why can't you? Every test, not even just from the enemy himself in the wilderness, but from the chief priest and everybody was coming against Jesus' identity. That's why I love the book of John. Because he constantly reinforces who he is and lets you know the power, the secret to my power, the secret to my success, the secret to my superiority over you because I know who I am. And he rehearsed it. I'm not like you. I'm, I'm from above. I'm from down here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You want to broke a pencil? You know it's real. <laughs> 
never want you to figure out who you really are and what you didn't really do. You will fight that he fought Jesus' identity from top to bottom. And Jesus kept doing what? Every occasion, he kept what? Oh, I'm not the son of God? Watch me turn this water to wine. Oh, I'm not the son of God? Watch me walk on this water. Oh, I'm not the son of God? Watch me heal this blind Oh, I'm not the son of God? Watch this woman walk. Oh, I'm not the son of God? Watch him come from the grave. Not when I'm drinking. It's not like, oh, they drink because that's not done. Oh, I'm not? I'm not? Oh, I'm not? What do we do at the church? Oh, maybe I'm not. Maybe I should think about it. Maybe we should. Maybe we should get along with the world. I don't know. Maybe we should think about how we can love people better. And while you think about love, power! Come on. There's a power void in heaven, a factory of those women to take authority and responsibility for those men and products of men. Oh, come on, boy. Y'all with me here? Yeah. While we're fooling with our emotions. One thing that she is doing 
is rebuilding identity because it is the key to destiny. If Jesus didn't understand his identity and stay faithful to it, he wouldn't have been able to reach his destiny as the Messiah. And guess what? We wouldn't be in ours if he couldn't do it. Y'all with me in the place? Y'all with me, Periscope? Come on in here. I know it's a Wednesday, but we need to come on in this thing. It's real. God wants us to start rebuilding the identity of his people, the authentic, organic identity that we began with, which is why everything about before the garden, everything about Wednesday warriors, everything about this thing is going back to the beginning, going back to what it was. Dr. Price's job is to go back and literally remove all the dust, okay, all the, the, the debris, all of the relics, oh, come on, that's hiding under the campaign of darkness to say, but this, y'all, let me, let me go back. Every time Israel got lost, what did they have to do? Go back. Somebody went down into the archives, went down into the come on here and had to pull out the scroll, pull out the law, pull out the archetype, or I should say the prototype, the earthly prototype that was the catalyst for bringing the archetype back into the planet. Y'all with me? Every time. And she is dusting off those things so that we would know and remind ourselves again in this generation what it means to be the offspring of the Godhead. To live God's kind of life. To walk as he walks. Coming out of this world's reality. And to God's realm and world and civilization. Dr. Price coined a phrase back in the day called Godality. Only she would do it. You know, when you're a wordsmith like that, you can, what I call, home July the word. But going into God's reality, a Godality, what he shaped from the beginning. Because God had, for him, Sin is not real in terms of it belonging to a particular realm, which is why it's on a time clock for quarantine. Because one thing that Dr. Price said that the origin of the word realm is real or regal, that kings determined what was reality, the reality of the people, of their subjects. So regal, real, realm. Only her, only Dr. Price would do that level of research to find out how these things connect. But he is literally trying to bring us back into what is reality, what is real. That's why he said the things that you're seeing are temporary. They're corrupt. They're passing away. They're not real. They're not real. Now, we've been taught everything in this world is real, and we should cling on to it. But Jesus walked around with the mentality, ain't nothing here. I'm not throwing into anything here because this ain't real. This ain't your real life. This ain't your real existence. This ain't even our real plan. Okay? <laughs> well, did he say it? Did he say it? This is not our real plan. Oh, come on. In the place. This is not our real plan. Mm. Our objective is to bring you back into our real. Oh, yes. Reconcile you back to the real and not to the mutation. Not to the fabrication. 
Just think about what he said about uh, the devil. He said he was what? Who remembers the characteristics that, he, that Jesus himself said about the devil and the gospel? First, he's going to fall like lightning. Then he said he was what? He was a murderer from the beginning. He was a liar. He spoke from his own resources. What does that mean? He fabricated another world. But something's a lie. It's a fabrication. It is something that you've made up. So he had fabricated an alternate world to God's reality. Okay. Wow. So darkness is the alternate. It's not the foundation. It's not the original. It's not the founding thing. It is the alternate. The fabrication, okay, of God's real. Which is why God kept telling him all the way through, don't buy into this because it's, okay? Proverbs says 10,000 times the wicked, they're going to pass away. This is going to flee. All of it. Did he kept telling us that? And we never put together that he had him on a time clock. I mean, only Dr. Price would say this because they own a time clock. Your life only has a season to exist so that it can round up every deceiver and every person that's not a lover of the truth. Oh, okay. So the lie is going after those that want to be deceived. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are we, come on, Thessalonians, right? God said he'll send them a strong delusion. So, come on, God this is a pretty strong delusion, don't you think? For him to find out who will be the lovers of the truth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Who will be the lovers of the truth? Who will be the lovers of the truth? So he right now is using the lie to weed out the liars. <laughs> Before he brings people back into a reality that cannot change. He said he was the same yesterday, today, forever, ever. That means heaven could not change. All he could do was allow this thing to spin off. But it could not allow sin to alter it. Yeah. Y'all hear what yeah. I just said? Yeah. Sin could not be allowed and could not permeate or alter God or alter his world. That's why they had to go. And they're waiting for the day in which it will ultimately be destroyed in that second death by fire. Whatever fire agent, okay, is in this world, it certainly is used for a lot of purging and punishing. Okay? <laughs> God does a lot of purging and punishing with that fire, doesn't he? So it is that purging agent. But that is when it and even then it's quarantined to a place where it cannot alter who God is. That's why God says his character is his foundation. And the fact that we want to culturally modify it and manipulate it says a lot about our lack of understanding about who we are and what Christ really came here to do. Y'all all right? Because he can't alter it. Just because he loves somebody. There are a lot of things that we don't change for people we love. Amen. Honey, more marriages have fell apart because folks refuse to change because of the character of who they are. Oh, y'all all right. Yeah, I know. We double this introduction, y'all okay? <laughs> Welcome to Wednesday Warriors. Tonight, y'all live in the place. Y'all came in here hungry too, but I came in here just spending some time with God. And when you spend time with God, you walk away with God's treasury. 
Because I tell people all the time, you cannot do Christ, okay, or Christianity without Christ. It just wasn't made to be a religion that you visit. Because the secret to its power and its existence is a living being. A living being that must reveal himself to you and that must uh, and, and deposit himself in you in order for you to get the benefits of what he's offering. See, we're not statues. We're not going to, okay, brick and mortar things. So if you do not have Christ, you cannot do his Christianity. You cannot do his walk. You cannot live his life without him. And that is the biggest deception of all, is that you can do this. And how do I know that people are deceived? Because we have distilled Christianity down to what? If somebody can answer this question, you know, might have to take you out to a little bit dinner. But what have we distilled uh, Christianity down to? What would you guys say is a crisis Christianity? Okay, but what does that look like? We say that from, a, from our doctrinal perspective, yes, which is what? They do say God a lot of times, and they don't have the Holy Ghost, they don't have the Okay, no Holy Ghost, no God, Linda. no fruit, no evidence in their life, what else? You accept everything in everybody. So we want you to still get down to acceptance, tolerance, what else? Coexistence, what else? There's one more major that confuses the issue on a regular basis. Crisis Christianity. Complete loss of identity. How about something very basic? Good work. Ah, good deed. So a crisis Christianity is now one in which we, we say that what makes us a Christian is all of the tangible external behaviors and not Christ in you. So the reason why we started taking half of the scriptures and not preaching them anymore and all of the requirements and taking those out is because you can't fulfill those requirements without Jesus Christ's spirit on the inside of you. Paul says that his commandments are not grievous. The reason why they're not grievous is because you have the power, you've been given the power to do this. You have the power to do this. So that is why it is not hard to do but it's only hard for you to do when you are not enabled, capacitated, or equipped with the power to live that life. So when you can't do those things, you strip them away. You say it's not necessary. And you know the enemy's like, that's what? That's what it's not. Did you ain't going to catch me out of my house? Okay? Because the enemy doesn't have to flee that everything's about good work. Because a lot of religions do good works, do they not? We got a lot of people who are doing humanitarian deeds all over the world in the name of various deities. So there is no conversion required for good works. There is no transformation. There is no real change of character in nature. I mean, I know he drinks and smokes and fornicates and sleeps around, but my God, when he gets with those kids, it's amazing what he's doing for the community, okay? Unless you're the sitting president of the United States, who's the only person that is required to have good character and be in public, okay? Because nobody else has to do it. Our famous, our famous celebrities, okay, and all of that, all over the place, hot record of a mess. Oh, my God. He just gave from his heart. He just helped so many people. I mean, he has orphanages overseas. They're changing lives. 
They're actually not changing lives. What they're doing is changing circumstances. So you're giving people a better circumstance, but you've done nothing with the quality of their life because quality of life comes from within. Oh, okay. All right. But that's not heard it. Amen. Y'all okay? I know. I'm, I'm trying to get some love off of Facebook and Periscope tonight, but you know, we have a Tulsa family showdown. This is what happened when this was old school. We used to do this as old. Isn't it right, Marie? It's old school. We used to just show down up in here and have our own moments with Jesus Christ because we were on a journey together to become something. Dr. Price inspired us to reach for something, not just beyond ourselves, but something within ourselves that we could be that was better than how we began. Oh, the power of the new creation, the power of the age to come. God's letting us know that the coming age is the real age, and he's giving us the power, the taste of those powers now. You're supposed to be tasting those powers every day. Oh, come on. And using those to sustain you until your restoration or restitution has come. Oh, okay. The fact that we're not being sustained as a church right now, and we have settled for good deeds and good works instead of becoming the essence of the good God that we were fashioned after. Oh, living God's kind of life. Living life the way he lived it. Which is not based on what is happening in this earth, but based on what he decreed from heaven. God's not living. That's why God's not moved. That's why he doesn't stop. That's why, okay, he's not discouraged because he's moving by his decree. And he's moving by the decree he set in motion before time began. He's not moving by just what is seen in the world. First of all, he is instigating what's seen in the world so that his decrees can be fulfilled. Let's get this show on the road. If we got to find out who's with us, who's not with us, let's get this show on the road. Let's do what's necessary. Let's get the plan in motion so that we can make this happen and restore this world. God let darkness reign so that he might be glorified. And we can never forget that. Oh, y'all all right? So that he might be glorified. We would not have appreciated Jesus Christ if we weren't under Satan first. The best biblical example of that in scripture, which is why Jesus modeled himself after it, was King David. Who came before King David? And what did he do to Israel? That the king God chose might be glorified. Oh, Oh, come on, anybody think about that? That the king that was chosen, that what God had chosen might be glorified. Oh, okay. Y'all all all right? Because you will not appreciate the victory of the king we have unless you tasted, oh, come on, tasted the abuse of his adversary. Unless you became a victim of his adversary, you will not appreciate the victory of the Christ. It's in that. That's why Jesus could say, why does this man born blind for this moment right here? Should I be lifted up? If you would know at this moment why I'm the son of God, why I'm better than everything that you have lived up until this point, every God that you have tried to serve, every false angel, every fallen thing under the sun, so that you might know why 
I am the one. And why our world is better than death. Because the fruit of the adversary was death, blindness, sickness, disease. Oh, come on. That's the fruit. Oh, come on in the place. That is the product of the adversary. That's the product of his rulership. That's the product of his influence. That's the product of his world. That's the product of who he is. And the everlasting King Jesus or the everlasting King David would have never been appreciated if we did not have our whole sawing reign from Eden until John the Baptist. Y'all all right? Because see, that's the identity we're fighting for. That's why if we don't stand up and be the light in the darkness, it'll never, God will never be glorified. They'll never know why his world is the best. And we are robbing people of making a quality decision about their salvation by trying to mix it up with the darkness. They need to be able to see the purity between the two. Oh, y'all all right? So they know why they want a life in Christ. And that life isn't just what we're living here, but why they want to live the archetypical existence of Jesus Christ. Y'all all right? Because we often forget what we're worried for, what the outcome really of the thing is. Good deeds and living peacefully on earth with men is fine, but that gets us through this season of sifting and sorting. But the objective is that his world takes over. His world takes over. The archetype comes in, and this plan, you'll appreciate this, this is simultaneity in action. I told you how those Old Testament stories were, were in, in demonstrating that from the Red Sea to the sun standing still to showdowns at Mount Carmel to the chariots of fire showing up for war, all of those things, right down to us getting into that, that whole period, the Danielic Babylonian era. We're talking about the 14 events. We just ran through them real quick. You see how fast that was? <laughs> right down to the Danielic era when uh, God shows Daniel that the kingdom of God is coming. Balaam sees it afar off. Then when we, by the time we get into, uh, uh, or I should say he sees it afar off, because why? Oh, that's a, that's a whole revolution by itself. Why Balaam can see it afar off? Because if Balaam predates Moses, right? Well, who predates that? The covenant of Abraham. Mm-hmm. To whom the gospel was preached before Jesus came. Y'all with me? Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. So who sees it? They will see it. Coming all the way down the line to Daniel, he sees it. So God is God was incrementally bringing the plant, the kingdom back into the planet piece by piece, part by part. We're talking about from the priesthood. Oh, y'all hear me? Mm-hmm. To the temple, to the worship, piece by piece, right down to letting Daniel know in an inadvertent way the age in which the kingdom would return. Under the Greco Roman Empire. Under Rome. Under Rome. Piece by piece, 
down the line for the prophets are prophesying it, and I thought it was just the prophecies that were propelling it, but each event was not only propelling the times and seasons and eras, okay, we talk about new seasons, okay, with the cycles today, heaven and earth working concurrently on this, they weren't just propelling it through through the prophecies, but their prophecies were triggering events that were literally bringing the kingdom into the planet. So by the time we get to the uh, Jesus Christ, uh, John the Baptist coming, okay, if you turn to page 113 in here, see, y'all thought I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it in a few minutes. <laughs> All right, we count down to the end of chapter 7. 113 at the bottom, she says, simultaneity was not absent in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament, remember we said that they were doing, the two objectives were as simple as this. Old Testament's job was to get what? Jesus into the planet. New Testament's job is what? To get us into their world. Heaven coming back in, heaven getting us there. Y'all with me? So they're working concurrently through all of the 14 events. The 14 events don't just show you the, uh, the, the chronology, if you will, uh, prophetically of how we ended up with Jesus Christ, but it also shows you how the kingdom was systematically being re-merged. Or the earth was being remerged back to the kingdom. So simultaneity are those moments in which God is re-annexing his planet back together. And he does it systematically. Okay? So she says here, simultaneity was not absent in the Old Testament era, but barriers to its, uh, its efficacy prevented it from performing as instantaneously or as pervasively. The Lord Jesus' removal of the princes of the age and his replacement of them with the Holy Spirit and his ecclesia accelerated the, pre, uh, the pedestrian simultaneity of the old world. It was happening in, only in Israel, one event at a time, one piece at a time. So we literally replaced the regime. So we didn't recognize that we were the replacement regime on the earth for the demonic forces that he wiped out. So we're the replacement authority and government. The Holy Spirit comes and opens up. Remember how we talked about the portal? Yes. How Jesus himself became the portal? And then he opened the door. That's why he said, I'm the door, I'm the way, I'm all of this. Because he opened up the door to the kingdom. So as he was ushering this thing in systematically, I mean, he did it. He ushered it in through, uh, uh, help me, the Mosaic law. We said the angels came. A fiery law comes to the mountain. He then ushers this thing in, first with Abraham. How can I forget Abraham's covenant in the prequel? He first ushers this thing with Abraham. Melchizedek show up. He's there. They're ushering this thing in. Simultaneously, heaven and earth is coming. Boom. Because it was Abraham's descendants that we got Jacob's ladder to show you we're coming back in phases and pieces. So under the auspices of the Holy Spirit, now that's how the kingdom can be at hand. One, because we can handle it. Two, the barrier is broken, which is why the prayers took longer, okay, back in the day than they do now. It's why life and life, the, the, the whole texture and complexion and composition of the archetypical world can now function in this one. Oh, y'all with me? Because prior to that, people, and I'll, you know, we'll close out on these thoughts here, but people will often ask me, and ask Dr. Christ why under the Old Testament 
Did God, was God appearing so ruthless? Right? Well, here was a religion that saves people for committing adultery. <laughs> and he was such a loving God. What was going on? What was going on is that death was reigning. When Adam made that covenant and lost his authority, death was the only outcome for anything in the planet. Noah's flood. Say what? Where did Noah's flood say? After the flood was over and we restarted because, okay, first of all, death was moving so rapid, God was like, oh, we ain't going to have a word if we move at this pace. And, and our weakness and inability to counteract the darkness. That's why he said, man, I'm, you know, I'm grieving about that. This one, no, he's strong enough. <clears throat> Humanity on its own cannot fight the darkness. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So after Noah's flood comes, purges the earth, purges the planet, removes all of those uh, demonic powers out. Okay? After that happens, what does he say the covenant is? Now it would be what? Blood for blood. That's why Paul can say, come and come back in Romans when he's bridging the two eras and helping us understand those connections. He comes back in Romans and say, but the wages of sin equal death. Where is he getting that from? He's going all the way back to East. That now, any time you commit a sin or do something outside of God, or I should say under the office of the enemy, because it didn't matter. If you lived under the devil and you did things the devil's way, it was going to be death as well. He was cursed with death. So it didn't matter. Right? So it didn't matter what we did. All right? The outcome will be the same punishment that's resting on the roof. The king is banished. Well, so is that kingdom. All right? So the death is raised. So that means that the outcome to anything in the planet was death. Y'all with me? It didn't matter what mistake you made, what thing you did. There was no way for God to stop death from being the outcome until Jesus Christ. There was no way to stop it. That was the outcome for everything. So we're looking and judging uh, the, the laws of Israel as if Israel's not living under the era of death. Oh, yeah, come on. You don't get that for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get that territory. You working on it? Keep working at it. Don't get the territory. So the era of death is what Israel was raised up under, where God had already cursed the ground, where he had already said that Adam from that point forward, mm-hmm. and death reigned uncontestedly from Adam to Moses. What began to mediate the outcome that no matter what sin you committed, no matter what you did, you will die. Because you will already die. Y'all with me? Yeah. That was the only thing that was producing. The earth wasn't producing anything else. Oh, y'all. Come on. But you ain't doing it. Okay? So you think about it. Death reigned uncontested until Moses watched that fiery law that came down. That was the first entrance of the kingdom of God making this reemergence. That fiery law that came down from heaven that we keep thinking is, was the bane of everybody's existence. It was only the bane of everybody's existence because, again, you can't do Christ without Christ, which is why he had already preordained what? That he would write the law of where? 
Okay, absolve. That's why, you know, don't touch me up when, you know, people say, we can absolve you out of your sins. And I'm like, really? Because they're going to be saved. Okay? Can somebody think on me saved? You are, uh, you are committing the same act. That's why the Levitical, Levitical priesthood could not be a permanent solution because the priests were also sinning while they were trying to mediate other people's sins and the whole covenant. Does that make sense? So as that was happening, that is how we ended up with meeting the Melchizedek priesthood. Because it will live forever and it never committed those sins. Okay. And that's why Jesus would be his high priest because he never committed those sins. Did y'all get that? Is that that beginning to make the story make sense as to why he had to do it? So when he comes to the planet, for the first time, to show that Moses' law was being fulfilled. Oh, come over here. Can I just say to you one thing, Samira, is it okay? You know, she guides me and everything. So get over into this camera. Sorry, Terry, but we don't get all hot today, all right? All hot today. But at the end of the day, why was Moses' law fulfilled? Can anybody say why you say it was fulfilled? Thank <laughs> you. 
not automatic. Okay? Pray for me. It's the truth. But you need to know why your your faith. 
another thing for God to do. He's the only one that's out. He's the only God out here who's trying to make it right.
only your memory and fishermen are keeping it bound to you. God has already given you the victory. He's already given you the, already given you the release to move forward. Only your memory and sentiment and emotion, actions and appetite can keep you bound to what you want. Make the decision for Make the decision for and change in this case. Let that be released upon you. And she gives me a Jesus face. Thank you. 